pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, we would know you as uh, as faithful, uh, that you are there, that you are with us, that you never leave us, even though we may uh, sometimes not feel your presence. But you've shown your faith, most of all, by, by sending Jesus uh, to live here, uh, to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, and to be raised uh, a need where we could have new life and pray we'd have that faith and that faith would grow faithfulness in us uh, for the world Uh, thank you that we uh, can see it today we are witnesses of it and uh, may we do so even more open up your word to us now in jesus name amen thank you all you can have a seat and uh, if you would turn in your bibles to exodus 5 Uh, we're going to be start at the end of exodus 5 Verse 22, uh, as I said, and uh, thank Jack Morarty again, our theme uh, this whole year is Rise with God, uh, which is uh, simply uh, your walk with God personally, uh, how we talk with God uh, in prayer. And so we're going to be, all of our sermon series, you know, are going to tie to that. And we're in a series now on Moses. Uh, It's brief, it's only three weeks that we're calling Face to Face, uh, how God uh, and Moses knew each other and how Moses looked to God. Uh, We started a couple weeks ago about how we actually have much more than Moses in Jesus. Uh, And last week we talked about a call, uh, that all of us are called, and we looked at Moses' call uh, from the burning bush, talked about that God used a bush you know, not like an oak or a cedar, that he used very broken people uh, as Moses was. Moses was a murderer. We talked about how uh, we resist that call so often. Uh, we throw back questions at God uh, from uh, who am I uh, to be called by you to uh, they're not going to listen to me, the people that you send me to, and God always sends us to people, uh, to I don't have the gifts, as Moses said, he can't talk. Uh, and all, God always provides a way, even in the midst of our pushback. And in our sin, uh, we push back. And today we're, we're ending this brief series, although we're going to pick up with Moses in a summer series on the Ten Commandments. But today is about rest. Uh, rest. Now, um, who here, and I, I'm fine, I'm, I'll raise my hand. I mean, who here, like, needs rest? May need rest? All right, pretty, pretty decent majority out there. Um, who is, uh, you don't have to raise your hand here, but if you want to, you can. Who is just, just frustrated like, uh, in life that they're, they're not getting enough rest or, or work is just more of a burden than a blessing? Who's frustrated that they're not getting enough rest? Okay, a couple hands like there. Who, uh, who's frustrated with their Christian growth? They're like, man, I'm, I'm just not tracking as I think I should be. Right, maybe a couple courageous folks. Who is frustrated with their call? Like, they're, they're certain, got a call, but, you know, I'm just not seeing much fruit. Man, I, I'm trying, I'm pushing, but there, there's frustration. And that leads to uh, more of a burden, more of a feeling of tiredness. And how long can I do this? How, how long can I endure? Uh, that, is, uh, that is where Moses is uh, as we pick up right here uh, in Exodus 5. And i got three words for you today. We'll flesh them out a little bit more. But it is return, remember, rest. 
even though the whole message is leading to rest, return and remember is going to be key. Return, remember, rest. Exodus 5, let's start with verse 22. I'm going to read into chapter 6, verse 13. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh king of Egypt to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh king of Egypt to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. I'll give you a little background here. Uh, so Moses was called, as we saw last week, and he has followed his call. He's gone. He's gone to Pharaoh. He's gone to the powers that be. He's spoken to the people, and he has failed. He's failed. They're not listening to him. Pharaoh's not letting them go. So, so everything God called him to do, uh, Moses is like seeing zero fruit. And, and I say that because uh, that can often be our life. Uh, and I hope it might help some of us to see that Moses follows his call and experiences failure. And this is just one. Actually, Ma Moses will fail throughout his career uh, as a leader uh, for God. He'll fail over and over and over again. The people won't listen to him. Um, they will bicker. They will complain. They will not follow. And here is Moses. You know, Moses, called by God. He, he's being obedient. Uh, and he is facing failure. So what does Moses do? Moses returns to the Lord. He comes back to God. And, and Moses is speaking to him, as we said, you know, rise of God. Your talk with God. So Moses is talking to God. And Moses pours out his frustration. He says, why did you send me? They are not listening. Pharaoh is not releasing. This is not working. And yet the Lord answers Moses as he Always does. He, he answers. It may not be what we want to hear. Uh, and the Lord says, look, I, I am God. And he traces back in history how he's been God. And he says, I am going to redeem you, save you. Uh, I am going to deliver 
my people. And I find these words that he gives to Moses, I mean, he's trying to encourage Moses as he will encourage us. And yet again, in the same passage, Moses listens, goes back, and, and I love the, the verse, it says that they still did not listen to him, they did not follow him, they did not respond because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. Sometimes, share a word with y'all, y'all, y'all are all, we believe everybody's called, talked about that last week, everybody's called to go out to people in bondage, talked about that last, last week as well, and often people are not going to listen to us, you know, welcome to my life, amen, amen. No amens. Okay, anyway, welcome to my life, though, okay? Again, case in point. And here's, and what happens is, though, often they don't listen because of the burdens of life on them. And they are weighed down. Then, now, they're weighed down. But God continues, even after that. Moses comes back again. He comes a second time. He says, no, I'm giving you this charge. You know, I'm charging you, Moses, This is your call, and you continue to remain faithful and continue to return to me, and there will be fruit. And there was fruit, ultimately, in the midst of all that failure. We can't go through all of Exodus, you know, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, but there was much fruit in this. And Moses kept on, over and over again, failure after failure, returning to the Lord. Now, for you and for me, how do we return to the Lord? How do we return? Uh, it's simple and it's hard. Prayer. Prayer. As, as Brother Jack uh, was talking about up here. We go to God. We return to the Lord in prayer. And, and often, you know, I want to I piggyback on a lot of what he said. Because often we do that. And you're like, man, I, I got you there, man. Um, you know, I've been learning that and hearing that since like Sunday school as I grew up. You know, we pray, taught how to pray. And we go to the Lord. We return to the Lord. Uh, with our requests, uh, or what could be called petitions or supplications. Like, you know, God, heal so-and-so uh, from cancer. God, uh, heal, help my marriage. Uh, God, you know, tell me if I need to uh, buy this house or sell this house. Help me figure out where to send my kids to school. la di da di da And we give the Lord our requests, and we should. We should. But prayer needs to be so much more. And I'm going to put something up on screen um, that, that the Lord kind of gave to me. And it's called, hopefully, a, a way that you can remember, like, really, like, how to pray. Uh, and I call it a pact. Uh, a pact, okay? Now, we hit on this last week, too. Uh, but I, I remember, you know, words easily. And a, and a pact uh, helps me remember what I need to do in prayer. Uh, now, the letters are in no particular order. But I think you need to hit all of these. As in P, petition. We talked about that. Lord, I need this. Uh, but A, adoration. Which I love saying, you are God. You are God. Confession. I'm not God. I'm not God. I, I'm a sinner. I confess. I confess trying to be God. I confess wanting to be God. And T, thanksgiving. Now, hit on these a, a little bit. We talked about petition Adoration. You know, we prayed uh, earlier as we were opening the service uh, or with folks who served this morning. And that's always really confused me. I mean, you may, you may not think so. Adore, worship, praise. How does that confuse you? Adore. I was like, well, how do, I, how do you adore God? Well, you say you love God, but, you know, to really feel that. 
And I read something this week. It's by C.S. Lewis. And I'm going to paraphrase him. Okay. And C.S. Lewis said, you know, he always struggled with this adoration of God. To, to love God. To praise God. To worship God. And then it hit him. He adores so many things all the time. And he says, like, so when, when he would read a great book or see a great movie or listen to a great piece of music, he loved telling somebody else, man, this piece of music was awesome. Although I don't think C.S. Lewis ever said awesome. But he was like, you know, this is like great or, or whatever he would say. But, you know, or this book was great or this book was awesome or this movie was awesome or this, this meal was awesome or this restaurant was awesome. And to adore something, you know, I get a lot out of, so I'll experience something great. I mean, you want to tell someone else, this is awesome, this is wonderful. And that helps you in the saying of that to someone else. Helps you feel an adoration for something you love. And so when we adore God, we we tell him, God, you are awesome. Or you tell someone else, you know, man, God is, and I rarely hear this, by the way. Not just, I mean, in general, I'm not talking bellwether folks. But it's rare to hear someone say, man, Jesus is just wonderful, you know. But we should say that. But instead we say, Jesus, I need this. But we need to say, Jesus, you're, you're wonderful. Because all those blessings, all those things of life I mentioned as we open the service, that's Jesus gives. And he is wonderful. And when we begin to see him that way, that impacts uh, our requests. Uh, our confession. You know, it's simple. It's just saying, I'm not God. And, oh, by the way, I want to be God. And, oh, by the way, I wish I was God. And so I'm telling you that. Please forgive me. And then thanksgiving. Uh, often, I, I believe we should start our prayers with thanksgiving because it helps us see how God has given to us in the past. And that impacts our requests. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Like, if you are thankful and you're like, I remember how God gave this and this and it, he was in this situation then it gives us faith for the requests we have. And I believe we draw closer to the Lord when we, when we thank Him first. So I would just say this. Uh, make a pact with God to see His greatest impact. And say that again. Make a pact with God so you can see His greatest impact. Let me say that again. Make a pact with God so that you don't see your impact. You see his. Very specific way of saying that. Make a pact so you see him impact your world and your life more and more in how you pray. It does matter how we pray. Yes, we need. But we need to give thanks. We need to adore. We need to confess. And when we return to the Lord to that, we see him at work. Now, often we don't, okay? Often often I don't. So I'll be the first to say that. Because we can't. Because we are tired. We are tired. And we give God leftovers. And throughout God's word, he tells us to give first things. First times, why don't we say rise with God? Give him your first, give him your first hour. Give him your first 30 minutes. Give him your first 20 minutes. Give him your best. From, tithe, from time to tithe, to talents, to firstborn, scripture says. God is always about, hey, I want your first things, first fruits. And we, me, okay, being honest, will give uh, leftovers. And often I give him leftovers because I'm doing his work. Uh, my, my wife loves to remind me of this, and, and God bless her. Uh, she said it this week, and I need the accountability. Uh, I tell her, I was like, I love accountability. Uh, I have to force myself to say that. And then she turns around and says, you love accountability, so here you go. But she says, you give us leftovers, 
Us would be my family. Be like her and kids. You give church first things. And if I'm honest, in terms of my first things, it's probably bellwether, then family, then God. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here in terms of your, your work or career, you know, family. So we don't give our first. We don't return to the Lord because we, often we just can't. We can't give our best. So return, but we need to remember. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Exodus 28, in the Ten Commandments, it says, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And, um, man, I could do another show of hands. I mean, who, who of us, like, really, you know, remembers the Sabbath? Uh, often we just, like, you know, we remember we have something we forgot in the midst of our work week that we had to do, uh, and we don't take a true Sabbath. And God is, he is very, very explicit. Actually, if you read through Exodus, he hits Sabbath more than any other commandment over and over again. He even breaks in for the Israelites, you need to take a sabbatical year, every seventh year. Uh, and it is to be woven into your life as a people. Uh, because they came from a, a different type of life. Pharaoh was work, 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 produce, 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 bricks, 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 no day off, no time off. And does that sound like eerily similar to our world? Produce, 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 produce. The one that produces the most will rise. And so we're like, well, if we don't produce, and I got some extra time, we should produce. And we do not remember. And we don't grow. And we don't, we don't remember the Lord in that time. What can the Sabbath do? Look, flip a couple uh, chapters over to Exodus 31. And this is not even the Ten Commandments. This is one of those times where the Lord hits on the Sabbath again, that you've got to take a Sabbath. Exodus 31, I'm going to read verse 12 through 17. What does the Sabbath do for us? Look at this. What does a Sabbath do for you? Listen to this. Some of y'all really, really need to listen to this. Okay? The Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, Stop it. He gave Ten Commandments. But above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign, a sign that you're different. A sign that we're different. A sign that we don't just like produce, 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 produce. A sign between me and you throughout your generations, which would mean us, generations in the future. That you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you a Sabbath grows you. Sanctify literally means growth. You grow in this time. You grow because of that time. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it. Look at this. That soul shall be cut off from among his people. We don't take Sabbaths. Our souls get cut off from the Lord. We don't take Sabbaths. Our soul gets cut off from one another. We're just worn out. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign, again, a sign of a different life, a different people. Forever between me and the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth on the seventh 
he was rested and was refreshed. That's God, by the way. Not a created being, a human being. That God was rested and refreshed. What does Sabbath do for us? Uh, it is a sign of living a different life. That we can like check out for a while and the world's not going to end. It's a sign of our faith. And let me say this. Do you want faith or you want control? You cannot have both. Full faith, full control. Why we don't do Sabbath? We want control. And we can't just have faith. That, hey man, God will work. God will do it. God will do a lot more than me. Seriously, think about that. Faith or control, you cannot have both in full. It's a sign. It sanctifies you. It grows you. And it says that we are rested and refreshed as the Lord does. Now, that's what Sabbath does for us. Like, how do you take a Sabbath? Some of you are like, hey, that's great, but like, where do I start, okay? Because, I, I, you know, you get into a rhythm of work, 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 or let me rewind that. You get a rhythm of anxiety, 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 or let me get, you get a rhythm of control, 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 control. So how, how do you break that? At a point, you got to stop. I mean, you got to stop. Uh, one thing I have learned, and trust me, uh, I, I'm, I am learning this because this is, uh, go back to my wife, she can tell you, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to check out for me, OCD, you know, control freak, you know, I, I'm learning how to have more faith and like let go, uh, but a couple helpful hints for me is I, I've learned to incorporate Sabbath into my days, like every day, take a Sabbath break. For me, and I'm going to just give you some personal illustrations here, okay? Uh, 8 to 10 at night, or maybe 8, 15, 10, 15, I put the kids down. And by the way, it's not even every night either. But a couple nights a week, it's not Wednesday night, it's, not, it's often not Friday night, but a couple nights a week, put the kids down and like try to have time with my wife. Uh, time, if I didn't do Rise with God that morning, so guilty as charged, okay? Uh, or maybe do something that like renews me. Uh, like read a book, uh, or just just chill out. And some of you are like saying, man, easy for you to say, but I can't do that, I can't check out. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. Okay. What I've learned is if I take that time at night, it actually helps me rise with God in the morning. Because I, I could too. I mean, I could put the kids down, there's stuff to do, work on messages, respond to emails, Check Facebook. I know, like, that's, you know, stuff we got to do, right? Right? I can name some of y'all out, you know. But anyway, don't. And just chill. And it helps me wake up early and rise with God in the morning. Now, that's daily, but again, it's probably three nights a week, just to be real open. Uh, Weekly, you know, kind of what God is saying here. Seventh day rest. Have a Sabbath. Obviously... Uh, for, for us, for church staffers, today's not a Sabbath, okay? But that doesn't mean uh, that I don't, and I don't encourage our staff uh, to take a Sabbath. So, so for me, it's often Friday afternoon. I usually work Friday morning. The kids are in school. I'll, you know, OCD, you know, do work. But take Friday afternoon off, Friday night, up through Saturday night. Um, during that time, try to turn off the phone. No, that's hard. We have our eye gods. You tracking with me? Eye gods. Uh, PPV. Y'all know this condition? PPV. I get it all the time. Phantom phone vibration. You just know it buzz. You know, I get it and nothing. 
You know, I get a text. Well, I didn't get a text this seven-minute period. Something's wrong. You know, PPV. We're all, you know, it, it gets us. So try to just shut off phones for a day and chill out. Sometimes date night. Hang with kids. Uh, go for a run. Take a nap. Shocker. You know, y'all know what that means? Nap. Have a Sabbath. Rest. Rest. Get some amens over there. Thank you. And then last, take a seasonal Sabbath. As in like, you got to get away. Get away. So you're like, well, I don't have much vacation time. I mean, be creative. Get away. Get away. Uh, this is God's, it's his command. It, it shows a sign that we are different people. It shows a sign that we have faith. And that we can rest in the Lord. That he's in control. We can be rested to grow and to serve. And let me say this real quick. When we, when we return to the Lord, when we remember the Sabbath, we start moving to like real rest. And, and real rest, I'm not meaning don't work. I'm like a sense, an identity that, that we rest uh, in Jesus. In Jesus. Why do we not get there? Uh, two reasons, okay? One is, I talked about this before, anxiety, control. Uh, we are anxious, you know, well, you know, I'm not going to get that promotion. Uh, my kids are not going to be okay. Uh, they're not going to be in the right group. Uh, we, so we got to put them, make sure they go to every party, play every sport. Talked about that last week. I got a few bats too. Thank y'all, by the way. Um, some of y'all don't even remember that. But anyway, got some bats. We got to make sure they do everything. Anxiety, anxiety. Jesus hits on that. So you can either turn or listen to me. Matthew 6. Let's hit this. So Jesus is real big on anxiety. Matthew 6. Uh, love this passage. I'm going to uh, read a couple of verses. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We'll skip down to verse 31. Therefore, he says again, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus says, don't be anxious. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And see, I really believe that when you return to the Lord, he begins to open up opportunities to seek his kingdom. And when you remember the Sabbath, you are, uh, you are more rested uh, and you are more refreshed to do the work of his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, some of you, and I would have this question, like, well, how do you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Just a few simple examples. See, when you do return to the Lord, when you do remember the Sabbath, when you end up being refreshed, you can serve uh, your world, like the world you live in. So first, do you care about your neighbor? Let me just ask that. Do you, like, do you care about the person who lives next to you? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah. Some of you may be like, I don't even know person lives next to me or, or in front of the street. 
I don't know them. Um, our family has uh, gotten into the discipline of trying to minister to our neighbors. Not worried if they come to church. I know the whole big, you know, because I'm a pastor, everybody's like, well, he's really trying to get me to go to this church. You know, that, no, okay? But I got to get past that first, okay? So we just love on our neighbors. Like, we just give uh, food. Uh, because of how people bless us, uh, we give, uh, we have an overabundance. Uh, frankly, I had an overabundance of deer meat uh, this year. Praise God. Uh, we got a small freezer. I was like, you got three grown boys? Here's some deer meat. I mean, they are just, you know, they want to ravish it. They're like, thank you, man. Um, we get a lot of desserts. I eat desserts, but I don't want to eat all of them. And so we give desserts. Um, we want to bless our literal neighbors. And one of them said to my wife this week, said, man, y'all have been like, like just so kind to it. I mean, y'all have done so much. And we even talked like, well, we just, we just had a lot of deer meat, you know. But we wanted to bless them and give. And so, I mean, do you, that, that is the kingdom. You know, Jesus said, love your neighbor. Uh, he didn't say good fences make good neighbors. He said, love your neighbor, you know, love your neighbor. Uh, your coworker, do you care about their, their life? When you go to the Lord, he will put people in your mind. When you rest and remember in the Sabbath, you will be, re- and check in on your coworker. I mean, that is, that is his kingdom and, and righteousness. I mean, it's not like, well, if you die tonight, you know, or it's not like, you know, we're going to look at one of Peter's sermons uh, next week about, you know, you kill Jesus. And, you know, bad kind of evangelical tactics there. But you could say, you know, how's your life? How's your family? Can I pray for you? What can I do? You bring them some food. We all love food. We're from the South. You know, you could do things for your coworker or your family. I mean, I know that's like a, you know, that should be. You know, just something that we do, but often it's leftovers of the family. Spending time with family. And not that, you know, you got wife or husband, two kids in a minivan. You know, like brother, sister, cousin, people in need. Church, shocker, you know. You serve your church. We always ask, we encourage, can you serve us in one way? Us is in like our family. Bellwether, one way, just one way. Can you serve here? Seek his kingdom. And his righteousness and these things will be added. That is Jesus saying. That's a promise. So often we don't because we are anxious. And often we don't. Last thing I'll say is because we are trying desperately to save ourselves. To save ourselves. Uh, you're like, how do you mean save myself? I mean, Jesus saves. No, we try to save ourselves. You're like, uh, my career will save me. My advancement will save me. Uh, oh, this, this salary, blankety, blankety, blank. Uh, will save me, or this house and zip code uh, will save me, or some people get to, oh, well, this, this second home will save me, or, you know, being in this circle will save me, or, hey, being in this church will save me, because it will provide uh, certain things. We are desperately trying to save yourselves. The greatest definition I've ever heard of sin is, why do you do the good that you do? When I say that to myself, that like, I am a, I'm a sinful, wicked guy. Why do I do the good that I do? Well, why don't I, why don't I be a good pastor? Well, I, I want my church to think of me as a good pastor. Well, what do you got, you know, some insecurity issues? Well, yeah, Lord, you know, there, there is that. Why are you a good dad? Well, I want my kids to love me. Why? Do I, do I not love you enough? Well, I need, like, their, their love. What, is there a void in your heart? Well, yeah, now that you're saying that, there kind of is. Why do you do the good that you do? You ask yourself that question, confession will be pretty simple. Okay? And you'll realize we need grace. 
We try to save ourselves. Jesus says, it's going to be up on the screen, last verse, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, what Jesus is saying here, it goes back and it helps us take a Sabbath, and it helps us return to the Lord, because he's saying, rest. You are not saved in what you do or have done. You're saved in what I've done, and you can rest in me. That's why the gospel is so simple. It's why it's good news. It's why the thief on the cross can be saved and enter into paradise. That day, it is trusting in Jesus that he saves us and that we can walk in rest and at the same time give him our best because we know he's done it. He's done it. And so, you know, I encourage y'all, all of us, we, we walk heavy. We have burdens. When you really rest in Jesus, I believe people, and I've seen, I mean, I've literally seen these people. They, their walk is light. They walk lightly. I call it, it's a phrase I love, they have serene confidence. Because those two words are like a paradox. Serenity and confidence. They're serene confidence. Because you know Jesus has done it. You know, on, on your lowest day, he's going to lift you up. On your highest day, you know it's not what you've done. And, and so you can walk and never be too low and never be too high. That's grace. Jesus is not talking about a Sabbath here. He's talking about, you know, I, I've done it. Rest, real rest. It begins and ends in Jesus, not in the Ten Commandments. But when it begins and ends in Jesus, you begin to have faith that you can take a day of rest and you return to the Lord. So what I'd say to you is those three words again. Return to the Lord in prayer. Make a pact to see his greatest impact. Remember the Sabbath. Remember we need it. Remember God commands it. Remember we are renewed because of it. And rest. And rest in Jesus. Rest in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your word. How there's so many connections through it. Thank you, Lord, for our rest that we can have today uh, in Jesus. So I pray for myself, for others, uh, those of us who want control, who think we have faith, but we don't have it fully because we want to keep trying to control things and people around us, that you just you'd break us of that. Uh, we would uh, really pray. We'd see your grandeur. We'd see your grace. And it would uh, just melt our hearts. It would melt our hearts that we would run to you and we'd rest in you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.